0: So I'm Onia Okwavi. Uh, My husband, Dale, and I are church planters of 21st Century Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I also am working on my PhD at The Ohio State University, so that is a full-time pursuit. And we're here together with our daughter, Cadence, who is a fourth grader at Pleasant Ridge Montessori School.
1: So, yeah, we're going to get started, and uh, hopefully I can, you know, take us all on a journey uh, with this uh, teaching today. And uh, let me open up in prayer, and then we'll just jump right into it. Um, Father, we thank you for everyone that is in this room. We know that it was providential that you would bring them all here, and we just pray for your spirit to do the work that it needs to do today. Amen. So my journey on kind of teaching this topic uh, together and jump in whenever you have something uh, begin on um, our last day as we were preparing for our church plant. And right in that moment, God has been doing the spirit has been doing some work in me probably for the past I would say five years and only in the last two years have I really been understanding what was going on. I I didn't have language for it. I just kept getting pieces and pieces and pieces and pieces. And it was on the last day of our church plant being blessed to leave that the Holy Spirit I heard these words so poignantly and those words were tell them I want my church back. And. And at that moment, everything just locked into place. I want my church back. And as I've been processing and, and, and talking about apostolic teams, whether it's husband and wives or whether in working in whatever ministry context that you need, it has three components to this. And those three components is one, the community, the community that your church is present in. It's gonna have an effect on your community. The second is what we consider love and unity and under love and unity has aspects of uh, racial reconciliation, has aspects of justice. And then the third part is apostolic teams. Apostolic is not the idea of someone is writing new doctrine, not the idea of someone is, you know, is the say all, uh, you know, of the ministry, but from the Greek sense of a sent one, someone who is going, right? Has those three pieces. And so what I want to share today I really do feel like it's, it, it, it turns how we've always looked at leadership and ministry and working in teams, it turns it upside down. It really shakes everything we know about church. An example of this is um, I love uh, bicycles and riding bikes. As a young adult, uh, I, I used to jump like, like extreme bike riding, right? And with bicycles, there's training wheels. And training wheels, when you start learning, is a way to kind of keep the things, you know, you don't fall and it's kind of really, really safe that way. And I believe our ministry structure over the last uh, century or so of church life, we've been operating with training wheels on. We've been using the church with training wheels. Our leadership model and our leadership structure, which typically has, um, you know, one person, everyone does what that one person says, right? And it's effective and it works, but I believe that apostolic teams and apostolic leaderships, it's taking the training wheels off of the church. And when you first start learning a bike without training wheels, of course, there are what? Crashes, there are accidents, there's stuff that happens. But it's in that moment when you finally get it right, when you finally get the balance working properly, you can go faster than ever before. You can go mountain bike riding. You, You can't go mountain bike riding with training wheels on, right? You can jump off and have extreme bike ridings. You can really go have a 10 speed. You can do all different things when you take the training wheels off. I believe, As we're going into the 21st century church, we need to reconsider leadership and working in apostolic teams. And what I'm referencing with that is whether it's in husband and wife, it really takes care of the whole gender issue because you're no longer looking through the lens of gender, what one can or cannot do, you're looking through gifting. And the biblical foundation of this, we talk about Ephesians 4 where it says God has gifted the body of Christ, apostles, prophets. And one of the ways that we like to look at this is uh, if you just want to have like a simple form of this, he's given the body of Christ, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, right? And so if that text, you can look at it for the sake of time, it talks about when these people get together in a room, or in a house or in any work for the kingdom of God, then the body of Christ will come into maturity. Then the body of Christ will stop going to or fro from from doctrines, you can come into a solid maturity. And so when God was telling me in that moment, I want my church back with those three principles I gave you, the first of uh, one of those threes is creating this leadership team that has this functioning well within it. And this is when the training wheels is taken off of the church, whether you're in husband and wife, couples or whatever it is. And an aspect of this type of team could be something like this. You're in a meeting and in that meeting you have a group of leaders together trying to build the kingdom. And someone's like, hey, I got an idea. Let's have a Super Bowl party and invite our friends and watch it at the church's basement as an outreach tool. And what typically the evangelist is gonna say at that moment is, that's a pretty dumb idea. Why are we gonna do this at church? We need to have this at the bar right? And then the pastor who brought up the idea says, well, you know, we just, we just don't do that here, Jim. We're, we're not going to do this at the bar. I'm the pastor. I'm the leader. I'm in charge. We're, we're doing this at this church. As a matter of fact, you know, I see you always push back on everything I say, Jim. You always want to go do it out here and do it out there. This is just how we do this here. And if the evangelist doesn't say, let's go do it at the bar, what typically happens is the pastor could say, yeah, Jim, that's a great idea. Let's do it at the, let's do it at the bar. And here comes the teacher. Well, are we going to have a, a Bible study at halftime? <laughs> are we going to teach? Are we, or, or are we just here to have fun? Because, you know, we need to get into the word here. And it's like, <laughs> really? <laughs> you want me to it's teach a at a bar, at a Super Bowl party? Yes, because we have to teach the word of God. And so now you have this, and, and, and it, it, it stops, Right. And then the apostle, Greek word, sent one, if you ever see these people, uh, we have this phrase at 21st century church. We say, can we release the apes? Right. Mm, yep. And just to kind of give you some, uh, some, some fict- uh, perspective here, apostolics are the sent ones. They're the ones who want to build. They're the ones you have an idea. They're always saying, are we just going to do this one thing at the bar? Is this just a one off? Or are we going to actually build something here? Are we going to actually have something that's sustainable that can reach people here within our church? And so what typically happens is with a staff like this, it creates a whole lot of dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And what typically is going to happen is that whoever's gift leads this church is going to boot the rest of them out of the way. And so in the 21st century church, we have to become mature. And maturity means how do we create space for these gifts to function together? And when these gifts functions together, it's not that you don't have what I would call a set man or a set woman, a set person. It's not that you, you abdicate authority. That's not what we're saying here. You, you lose power and you actually gain true authority. Here's what I mean by that. Mother Teresa has authority. She comes in a room because she embodies her lifestyle. She embodies what she does is what Hirsch says about Mother Teresa. So when she comes into a room, there's a certain authority, but she really doesn't have power. Your president has power, but sometimes he doesn't have authority. There's some people right now, the president can walk in the room. They would not stand up to greet him for nothing. Or Obama or whatever president. I'm not trying to pick on our current president, but there's a difference between power and authority. And so on apostolic teams, you get authority because of the mission God has given you. That's what causes people to listen to you, not because you're a woman, not because you're a man, not because you're in charge. So whoever in this apostolic team, if it comes from the the evangelist saying, I want to do this Super Bowl event, and we recognize that that is an evangelist talking, Mm -hmm. then we let them lead. Mm -hmm. The shepherd holds their shepherding gift. The teacher realizes, it's not, I'm not up to bat yet. Mm -hmm. Let me let the evangelist do his thing. I'm going to just be there in the back, like just uncomfortable in the whole thing, right? But I'm still going to go and I'm going to be there and I'm going to let the evangelists do their thing. And when the evangelist is done and that person actually wants to come to church, now when it's time to teach Sunday school, I'm up and I'm going to do it. And so that's how these teams work together. And when that teacher is now teaching based on the virtue of their mission, they're the gift of the body of Christ to be a teacher. Now they're an authority. And then the apostle or the pastor submits to them. And so it's this idea of mutual submission based on authority, not power. And Jesus modeled that in that the father submitted to the son, the son submitted to the father, and then the son submitted to the Holy Spirit. Even the Trinity manages submitting of authority to one another. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. Jesus says, I have to go away, but listen to the Holy Spirit. He's going to teach you everything you need to know. So even within the Trinity, there is a time for mutual submission. So the question is on most church staffs, when do you see mutual submission? It doesn't exist for the most part. Been in ministry for 14 years full time is what I say and that's what goes. And in the 21st century church with those three principles, if we continue to operate and function that way, we truncate the effectiveness and the power of the kingdom of God in what is known as mutual submission to one another. And this type of mutual submission, it creates an equal playing field across sex, gender, age and all that. It just goes through your gifting. And another thought that I'd like to, uh, you know, hit on, and I'll save time for Q&A, is when we talk about the prophets in the room. That has been very mysterious. That has been very, quite frankly, awkward and weird. But let me... Paint a picture of what the profit is to the church in apostolic teams and maturing when you don't have that. Have you ever been? Um, I was a youth pastor for a number of years and I would drive these long 15 passenger buses. Any youth pastors here get it right? And sometimes I would have to back up and I couldn't back up. And now I have to say, hey, can you hop out and help me back up? And so someone would hop out and I would be driving and there would be my rear view mirror and they're like, come on, you got this much room and I'm inching and I'm inching. they're like, you got this much room and I'm still inching and they're like, come on, let's go. Right. That scenario of someone saying, you got this much room, keep backing it up. And I'm scared because I can't see. That's the prophet in the church. The prophetic wise person in the church Mm -hmm. on the staff is the one telling the whole team we can't keep doing this this doesn't make a lick of sense we need to go this direction we need to go here because they can see it Mm -hmm. and yet what everybody says is that I I, I can't see well you don't need to see that's not that's not your function right now Mm -hmm. I'm saying we got this much room And so with the prophetic people in the in the church, I often tell them to earn your credibility, write down what the Lord is giving you, put it on paper, submit it to the church and to your leadership, as the Bible says, and that pastor, when they start seeing the stuff that you're seeing come to pass, they will start listening to you if they're smart a whole lot often. And so God has brought in correction, built in correction for his church. And how many times do we hear at a church when we talked about our beloved pastor at Willow Creek who had his fall? How many times? And I use beloved because he's still a brother in the Lord. How many times did you hear in that church? Somebody said, I knew and I spoke up. Someone says, I saw we heard that everywhere, but no one listened. And so the 21st century church in leading with husband and wives and pairs, it goes be, even beyond. We're so not used to seeing husband and wives lead together. Yeah. It's such yeah. a phenomenal yeah. thing. Yeah. We're just like, no, she's gifted. I'm gifted. We have these different gifts of the body of Christ and we have to learn how to be mutually submitted to one another. So with that as my intro, I would like to introduce some basics of a book we're we're working on In how do you work on apostolic teams? There's a reason why you don't see people work together. Let me paint you the picture of how so much they don't work together. You guys heard a crew, Um, the ministry crew. You've heard of navigators. You've heard of YWAM, Youth with with Mission. All the apostles leave the church and we call it parachurch ministries they just like, I'm out of here, I'm gonna go start. And those things grow, and they're highly effective. And then when you come inside of the church, you know all these, everybody wants a bigger building and a bigger church sanctuary. All the shepherds and teachers, they want more people to teach to. And so the church has completely bifurcated itself because we think we can't work together. And so I'm gonna give you some principles that will really take the training wheels off your entire church staff and cause I've seen so many people in my ministry and as it work leave churches staff when they didn't have to leave. I've seen so many misunderstandings because we didn't know this person was speaking from this hat and this person was speaking from that hat and we don't have a format where oh it's time for you to lead. So let me give you some principles and remember this will not work in a traditional church ministry where it's top down leadership. It will not work. You will. I'm trying to save you trouble to be quite transparent. (laughs) This is the reimagination of the church as God had it to be. Now, let me be clear again. This does not mean we abdicate authority or we lose authority. Remember, authority comes from whoever God has given that vision for the church. Case in point, what's your name? Christina. Christina. If Christina has uh, let's just say a shepherd or a teacher, she has a gift to go do something in a community, a mission. Right. If I am somebody with a prophetic gift or apostolic gift, I am submitting that gift. If I come into her ministry, I'm submitting that gift to the mandate that God right. has given her. Mm-hmm. And I'm using my prophetic gift not to cause a ruckus in her ministry, but to help build mm-hmm. her ministry. That's how she can submit to me when I give her my, when I lead in my gifting, because she realizes I'm not trying to throw a wrench in her ministry, I'm trying to use that gift to build it. And when me as a, a, a prophetic person feel like I now have my own mandate, I need to leave her be and go do that, and God will send me my apostolic teams. That's why you see some leaders today; um, their church can't grow because they're not God. That gift of evangelism—that's not who they are—and they feel this weight on them. Rather than bringing in an evangelist, they just it's hurtful. So let me jump to some tips on how to make these teams. What happens when you bring them together? Afterwards, I'll give you some tips on like some APES testing to test your whole team. Here's some tips that you can use. The first tip in working together that you're going to have to answer, uh, write them all down. I'm going to write all of them and kind of break them down. So when you bring these teams together and you've kind of start identifying people's gift, the first one is this. Um, The first principle in the team like this is can I trust you? Um, And mistrust is earned. So when you put a team like this, people say, hey, you have to earn your trust around here. I don't operate that way. Anyone that comes in our team, I start off with 100 Mm percent. I trust you 100 percent as a brother in Christ, even though I don't know you. But you can earn mistrust from me. I deduct from starting at 100 percent trust. When you do something shady, I will let you know, look, you just lost about 10 percent of the trust I had in you by that movement. But I start I start, up, start. with, don't make people, the kingdom of God, we got too much work to do to make someone stick around for three years to determine their That's faithfulness.
2: Right.
1: That's good. Yeah. That's good. Start at 100% and let them know listen, I'm starting you off at 100%. Please don't lose that mistrust that I've given you, right? Mm-hmm. So, can I trust you is a question. Another thought about can I trust you is the idea that the way trust, how I define trust in this team, is I care more about you than I care about my future. I'm Gonna say that again. I care more about your future in the kingdom of God than I care about myself. I care more about your success in the kingdom. Can I trust you with that? Because if I don't, it's usury. I'm using your gift to build what God has for me. And Jesus says, prefer your brother above you know, above yourself, right? So this really is laying down everything to be in this team. It's not an easy team to be on. Another aspect is with can I trust you is um, keep the ring on is something we like to say in teams like this, is that from a husband and wife relationship, if you've been married, you have difficult times, but you keep the ring on. So even when trust is misbroken, and trust is, and you've hurt one another, um, keep the ring on. And the secret to keeping the ring on is when I look at that person on that team and say, Mm -hmm. I will lay my life down for you. That's how you keep the ring on. It's more than them working on a church pastoral staff. It's we're building the kingdom of God here and we have to move at God's speed. And to move at God's speed, we need all this in place. Right. So the second part is this. Are you a threat to me? Mm -hmm. The reason why these teams can't function together is when that person says, let's do this event. And the other person says, let's go do it at the bar. And everyone shuts down that idea to go do it at the bar. Well, that that's weird. We don't do that. You become a threat to that evangelist. And that evangelist says, you know what? My ideas and what God has for me can't work here. And you know what happens when you become a threat to somebody's mandate? It's, it's a fight. Yeah. Jesus, uh, Peter told Jesus, Jesus, I love you and all, but you can't go to the cross. Mm-hmm. That's not gonna happen here. I love you too much. What did Jesus say?
2: You, could Get behind
1: me, say. you couldn't touch that mandate. And so oftentimes the unnecessary frustration that we see on church teams is because one of us is unintentionally touching the other person's mandate without even knowing it. Mm -hmm. I wanna do this, oh, we don't do that here. I have this great idea, oh, I don't know about that. And so with apostolic teams, Everybody has to have that conversation when someone comes in this environment, a sit down conversation, and they have to look at what's your name? Wendy. W- Wendy, mm-hmm. And we have to look at Wendy and say, Wendy, what has God put in your heart? Mandate. What is your vision? What is that spark God has put in you? We need to know. And this whole team needs to know. So we don't touch it. Mm-hmm. And when you're speaking out of that place. We all are mutually submitted to you on this team, and you will go build that and expand that and expand the kingdom in that. Um, One uh, leadership guy says it like this, you get to have your donut as long as you don't stop them from having their donut. (laughs) 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 He talks about, he skipped a line to grab a donut, and when he skipped that line, He really didn't impede on anybody else. He just kind of like, you know, went like that. It's like, because if I impede Wendy from accomplishing her mandate, I'm stopping the kingdom of God from being built in and through her life for the sake of using her to build my mandate. And so we can't, um, yeah, so I was on a thread. Don't get in someone else's way. And the only way you can get it, you don't get in someone else's way, is you have that conversation of what's your mandate. And the typical church, when you go for a church interview, who cares about your mandate? (laughs) You're here to serve me. You're here to do what I'm pastor, I'm leader. But in this mandate, it says, no, I have authority given to me based on the vision God has placed or the mandate he's placed on my life for this ministry. However, you have a mandate on your life, too, as a kingdom person. And I need to know that because at some point you're going to be clear with your mandate and you have to go and I have to let you go. And so that's another principle for these teams working together. Know your mandate. And don't touch somebody else's mandate. Can someone turn to Numbers 10:29 for me? Numbers 10, 29. This has to do with knowing your mandate. Okay. Yeah, Numbers 10, verse 29. And start reading. Just
2: that verse?
1: Yeah, okay. go ahead.
2: Now Moses said to Hobab, son of Reubel the Midianite, Moses' father in law, We are setting out for the place about which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised good things to
1: Israel. So let's pause. So come with us. Well, who's the leader? Moses, the visionary. God has called with a mandate. He's trying to get him to come to what? What's the first thing? I'm going to do what? Treat you well. What's the second thing? Keep reading.
2: He answered, no, I will not go. I am going back to my own land and my own people. But Moses said, please do not leave us. You know where we should camp in the wilderness and you can be our eyes. If you come with us, we will share with you whatever good things the Lord gives us.
1: Let's pause right there. Moses is like, I'm not taking no for an answer. <laughs> you will be our eyes. If you come with us, promising him a future, we will share with you all that God. You will reap where you sow. Oftentimes when usury is in place, the people on these teams, they never get to reap where they sow. That's the pastors or the leaders keep getting all these accolades and keep getting, but that person never gets to reap where they sow because you're just another peg right. in the system to make the whole thing work for the pastor's vision or the leader's vision to be accomplished. Mm-hmm. So Moses says, you're going to reap too. Let's keep reading. So that's the second principle.
2: So they set up from the mountain of the Lord and traveled for three days. The ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them during those three days to find a place to rest. The cloud of the Lord was over them by day and they set out from the camp. Whenever the ark set out.
1: You could pause. Thank you. So that was just one of those conversations that I found really, really interesting how Moses really spoke with this guy to get him to to come with him. Right. Um, And then another thought with this, when you have these teams working together, the person who has the mandate that you guys are walking with, they determine what is success. They determine what is success. So if, if she has a mandate, once again, Christina, to go out and to do something. And I, as a, you know, maybe you're a teacher or you're a prophetic person serving her under her mandate. I don't determine what success is for the mandate God has given her. Right. I submit that gift to her. And so that keeps my hands or my cynical sense. Well, you know, we really should do it like this. Well, you know, if we would have had this worship team and we would have had this speaker, if we would have just did it this way, then now it would be successful. So in apostolic teams, whoever the mandate, they bear that authority to let the whole team know we nailed it guys, we, we, we did it. They're bare the responsibility to tell the whole team what success looks like as well. And you've ever been in a meeting where everything went well and someone was like, well it, did, it didn't happen the way I wanted it to, it wasn't that well. It, it just might have not because it didn't hit that person's mandate. And so it's really important for us to know our mandates uh, when we work in these teams and the other persons as well. The uh, So I got transparency. There's two more, and I'll try to go quickly as I can for Q&A. In ministry, you always hear people say, I love you. Oh, I care so much about you. I'm like, how do I know that? (laughs) How much do you really care about me? Do you just care about me when I say all your ideas are good? (laughs) Or do you really love me when I don't like them anymore? And I think that was bad and we need to go in a different direction, right? Um, Or the idea of transparency, um, there's this idea of true humility that it's a learned trait and to be transparent, we are still learning how to do this. Mm -hmm. When you're in a team like this and someone has this idea, let's go do this, Mm -hmm. how do I disagree but still commit? Because if everybody at your table is just, that was a great idea, Pastor. That's a great idea. No, how can I say, Pastor, I don't like it. I think it's a bad idea. I think it's terrible. Here's the reasons why I don't like it. However, now I've disagreed. I'm going to roll up my sleeves and assign me, Pastor. I'm going to be the first one to make this thing a success. I'm ready to go. Let's do this, Pastor. Pastor but I created a culture where I can disagree. I can tell you I don't like this idea, but then in the front of the whole team, I'm like, I'm gonna be your, I want to be your servant. Give me the thing to help. How could I make it successful now that I, that I let you know how I really feel about it? So when you as an apostolic team go forth to do it, the biggest naysayer that voiced their opinion that says I don't like this is the biggest champion on there. If that thing works, The next staff meeting, is that person going to be quick to disagree with you again? No, that person is going to come back and say, Pastor, you know, I got to tell you, I was the one who disagreed with this idea the most. But I put in everything I had. And you know what? It was a total hit. It was a total success. I was wrong. Or that pastor or that person who disagreed but commit and jumped in and helped all the way, even with all their help and all their fervor, the whole thing bombed and it was bad. And when they go back into that meeting, pastor has to say, you know what, Larry, you were right. (laughs) That was a pretty bad idea. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for jumping in and serving. And I need to listen to you more often. A completely different way of leadership and now in that room people will be slow to disagree because you know if you're disagree you have to be the first one to jump in and help <laughs> and based on how that thing goes your next evaluation you can be the one embarrassed because it wasn't really a good idea or so people will be more humble in a meeting but when we create cultures where everybody has to say everything's a good idea it's not healthy in any way shape or form So that's what transparency allows us to do. Transparency allows us to say, I'm not sure about this. I don't know about this. And then the last one um, is uh, the concept of just get over it. Um, As I've been working together in ministry for quite some time, um, Christians are easily offended. And when you put a team of dynamic leaders like this together, they move too fast for you to hold offenses. They move too fast. They're building the kingdom way too. That's why Jesus says, which one of my words offended you? Does does anything I say offended you? He got straight to the point. He was not afraid of offending people, but he didn't try to offend people all the time, you know. So get over it is a principle that not if, but when you do hurt each other on these kind of teams, talk about it, discuss it, but then move forward. Lay it to rest and then keep building the kingdom of God. And the more you kind of have that mentality, we're not going to break up. We're going to keep the ring on as a team. But we've got to get over this. We've got to build the kingdom of God. You've just disarmed the enemy because Satan's biggest tool is division, is dividing people. But when you have a culture of, yes, we're going to be hurt. Yes, I'm going to be sad for like a week. It's going to be I'm going to be bitter about this thing, but I'm going to get over it. And you just like internally, you can see your staff talking to each other. Just I got to get over this after you've had that conversation. And so these, I feel, are the principles uh, for working in apostolic teams that we are implementing in in our ministry together, that we're learning how to do, that we're exposing to our team. So although there is authority, not power. There is mutual submission. We need all new principles and all new rules to operate in a team like this, because before these rules don't exist. Just do what I say. I'm the pastor. I'm the leader. I'm the shepherd. And typically what happens is if you uh, if you have a team, you know, led by a bunch of prophets, you'll have, you know, 24 hours a day prayer and worship. (laughs) It's not not a bad thing. It's just that's what, you know, and you'll do justice things and justice initiatives. If you have a team that's led by shepherds and teachers, you will have more Bible college and Bible classes than you can shake a stick at and everybody will be robust and rich. If you have a team with these folks, it's everything's building, everything's expanding, you're reaching new territory. And so we believe that the 21st century church, um, it has, you know, it has three components of it. To have a church that's gonna thrive in the 21st century, one is you gotta have apostolic teams. You gotta function like this. The old model won't work anymore. The second, you gotta have love and unity in terms of justice, gender, racial reconciliation. And thirdly, you have to release these teams somewhere. You have to release them into your community. So someone always says, if you're coming to church to do justice, that ain't justice, right? (laughs) You have to go out, like you can't have a meeting about justice. You, you have to go out. And so with all these teams, you have to release people somewhere. Another shift, we've shift from ministry to mission. If you go after mission, you'll get ministry. If you go after ministry, you may never get mission. Um, and then the last point is that we believe, as I read the Bible, Christ was the apostle of our faith. He was prophetic. He was an evangelist, he was a shepherd, and he was a teacher. And if I have the seed of Christ in me, and if every Christian has a seed of Christ in them, could it be that to become like Christ is to have a healthy balance of all these? And what if every Christian in your church had a healthy balance of all these gifts and they were like Christ being sent on mission wherever they went? It's a total game changer. And so... Um, I'll pause now, you have any thoughts? I think you wanna That's go, gonna to, add
0: about yeah, jump in, yeah, we'll jump we'll in. 15 minutes for Q&A. Yeah,
1: five minutes, yeah, let's do it, thank you. There you go, okay. Before so. you start, can you
0: um,
3: define one, two,
1: and three again? Uh, can you help the me? The first
3: one
0: is apostolic, apostolic teams. teams. Apostolic teams. Apostolic teams, sorry, Love, Love and unity, and then communities. Communities to release those teams into. And we're saying
1: this is the 21st century church this you know before we ran with the contemporary Christian growth model yeah. good kids ministry good youth ministry dynamic speaker and just build that till the walls blow out right mm-hmm. and so we're we're suggesting that this is where the spirit is taking the church
0: from. yeah um, are any of you working on teams with spouses or family members okay a little bit in this room so um, To apply these principles a little bit to marriage, uh, when Dale and I first started ministry, we kind of used the same model as the um, uh, APES in that, you know, let's put one of us in parachurch ministry and let's one of us be in the church so that we don't cross paths. (laughs) Yes. Um, So I I worked on uh, racial reconciliation type ministries and Dale was a a youth pastor and an associate pastor in the church. And it worked great because we each had our own domains, and we were able to contribute our gifts to each other. We were able to run sermons with each other and there was never a conflict. Um, But then one day God decided to screw up our lives and he said <laughs> God's welcome to do that anytime God wants to by the way um and said I want you guys to plant a church Um, and specifically giving that vision through Dale. And it was like, okay, um, well now we need to work together. And I knew that I was in trouble when we went to our church planting training and I watched the other spouses and we were doing like a disc test thing and walking to the different segments of the room based on our, um, our, our disc test. And I watched as the spouses separated and one was clearly the dominant driver and the other one was clearly the, you know, the submitter and the rule follower. And I looked at us and I'm like, oh gosh, we're sitting next to each other. This is not going to be good. And then sure enough, you know, one day later, we're having a conversation about the, not even something like serious, like what's our mission, mission, but how often are we going to have this particular meeting? And you would have thought that one of us said Jesus was still dead. So what do you mean? We're only going to have that meeting once a month. Don't you know how important that meeting is? And so recognizing that God was giving principles for apostolic teams, but at the same time, any place where you're in a space where your your giftings can conflict with the other person, using these uh, tools in order to uh, ascertain first what is going on, why are we in conflict, um, and then being able to resolve it and see where should we go with this and how are we going to continue to move forward so in that um, conflict that i just mentioned we were talking about our dinner parties um, and that's something we do once a month we do dinner church um, which a lot of people here do as well which is cool um, but that is something i have wanted to do for like the past 10 years and then he was not super excited about that because he's more of a he's an apostle and a prophet and they don't like to have fun Uh, just just joking (laughs) and so realizing oh my gosh this is not a big argument because we should do it once a month or we shouldn't do it once a month or we should stop in the summer or we shouldn't but we are stepping on each other's mandates and we need to back up for a second and we need to realize that has immensely helped us in working together now um, we've only been at this since last May so I wouldn't say that we have it Perfect. Um, but I would say 100% laying out a list of principles that we could start to click down when we find ourselves in those 10 spots has helped. And even though um, these are the five principles, I would add one more principle, which is joy, because that's kind of my thing. Because when you first fall in love with somebody and you marry somebody, it's like, oh, that's cute. He squeezes his toothpaste from the top instead of the bottom. <laughs> And then 15 years later, it's like, can you not figure out how to squeeze the toothpaste correctly? I mean, it's been a minute. Um, but if you apply that newlywed love to the evangelist in your midst who always wants to be at the bar, or to the prophet in your midst who's always pushing the envelope and telling you where the church who needs to go, if you can apply that joy to we're different but I'm enjoying you and I'm going to live into that instead of being annoyed by you um, I think it helps even more as you're applying these things you're not then applying them out of obligation you're, imply, you're applying them with enjoyment of the other person and who they are
1: you know I, I did not I jumped straight into practice and I didn't highlight theological principles so in your Q&A if you do have some theological questions please don't uh please present them I just want to kind of put that uh thing there so we have 15 minutes for Q&A when you say joy I thought celebrate um that you don't celebrate each other enough yes and celebrating mm-hmm. the gifts and I don't know how we find time to intentionally do mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm.
0: and make sure that people feel appreciated because when you do that you can kind of get you
1: know it's the, and that celebrating each other um, can be really helpful um, thank you yeah. no you're no. good no. thank you
3: uh, I see your daughter is here mm-hmm. and um, my wife and I have three children mm-hmm. thinking about how and when do you start seeing gifts calling out gifts and mm-hmm. children what does that look like how is she involved in,
0: in ministry
1: you want to take you want to come up you want to take that question cadence
0: Go ahead. Sure. Come on up. Say words. Go ahead. I guess you kind of know what kind of gifts you have when, like, you display them. So, like, when, like, you see them. So, like, I've already seen my gift in action. So, can I tell
1: Yeah, them? you can tell them.
0: Okay. So, when I was, like, five, I wrote a story and then... Three years later, it actually happened, and I literally wrote it all out. And so it kind of, you kind of see your gift when it happens.
1: And then then she's also, you know, she's her gift as well as a helper. You know, that's one of her strongest gifts. And so we really make room to to release it. So she often corrects us because we, we were saying we need an apprentice for the ministry. And oftentimes she has to bring us into loving awareness. And she was like, hey guys, um, I'm here and I know more about all this stuff than a lot of people in what you're doing. I really don't like it when you're saying you need an apprentice and I'm the one who kind of knows how everything is being done and how everything is hooked up. Mm-hmm. So I think by virtue, uh, we have to repent for that. So by virtue of you and your wife doing things together and your children coming alongside and it's a family on mission, their gifts will just naturally evolve. And if you put in number three, know their mandate, you just start looking at your kids and seeing these patterns is what I like to call it. Mm-hmm. You can help discover like, oh, my gosh, I see you always run to this and you have that conversation. How do you feel when you're doing this to your kids? Mm-hmm. Like, when she's helping, she's just so joyful, and so mm-hmm. let them do that. I, I want to,
0: um, I want to say yes, mm-hmm.
3: and I practiced that mm-hmm. with my son mm-hmm. who gravitated to math, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I let him run the household bills, mm-hmm.
0: and <laughs> okay. <laughs> and today he's working on Wall Street. There you go. There you go. Good. Wow. So that is a perfect
1: example. Thank you. Wonderful. Uh, this
3: question is more important to you. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you incorporated your passion for racial reconciliation mm-hmm. into this church plan?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, Love and unity, that second point is all about, um, incorporates racial reconciliation. But what the language we decided to use around love and unity was, we actively combat any form of bias that seeks to elevate one person or group above another. And the idea being that, you know, racial reconciliation is a step, but too often, people will either focus on race and ignore the other ways in which people are trying to, to elevate themselves above another, or it doesn't require action beyond us being together in the church. And so by us having this aspiration of actively combating any form of bias, it, it's saying that any place where this, this system exists, this is where we want to go directly to. Um, now, we're young as a church, um, so what we've gotten to do so far in terms of that is trying to um, represent that in terms of our core team, in terms of trying to make sure that we have people from um, different backgrounds coming together, and we're going to continue to grow on this. We, we still need to do better um, in terms of socioeconomic class, but that's that's someplace that we're going. And then as we continue to, to move forward, um, our mission as our church is our mission is to help you fulfill. Yours, and so to, because we have people who are passionate about social justice and working in different areas, and and helping um, with education and helping with reading programs, etc as our mission as a church helps them propel into their place uh, of ministry, we are working towards um, combating those things and making sure those biases don't exist. And also just by virtue of our leadership as people of color leading a multiracial church that also speaks volumes to what we're trying to do.
1: Can you say that definition of love and unity one more time?
0: Yes, we um, actively seek to combat any form of bias that elevates one person or one group above another. Go ahead. Um, I just have, like, a series of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first is, in building the apostolic team, is there a specific order that you go through? Like, does it go through that acronym specifically when building it? Um, sure. Second is, what do you do with teams where um, the people on the team are at blends? Mm-hmm. Meaning, because
2: mm-hmm.
0: I've mm-hmm. seen people operate in more than one mm-hmm. office. so how do you mutually submit to each other when there are clearly blends of mm-hmm. people? And the third is, I know this is like reimagining church, mm-hmm. um, but in my context, I'm not like the primary leader. Mm-hmm. So how do I bring that shift into mm-hmm. a church where the primary leader might not be mm-hmm. uh, for the apostolic team, per se?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. <coughs> so jump in at time, yeah. So I think your first one is, Where does the ball get rolling in this gift mix? The way I would approach that question is um, Whoever has the mandate is where the ball gets rolling So if the shepherd and when I say mandate, it's the thing that God has told you I want you to do this. That's what a mandate I try not to say vision or mission because oftentimes your vision can get in the way of the move of God and so Whoever has the mandate is who gets the ball rolling. So, if someone with the gift of teaching has a mandate that they want to do this, now anyone who now they have that authority, not power, authority to get the ball rolling. So, whatever prophetic person joins that team or apostolic person joins that team, you're using that gift as an apost- apostolic person or a prophetic person to build that person's mandate. But remember the second principle, they're wanting to know what your mandate is too. So you're following till you're ready to be released in whatever God has given you. So does that adequately answer? Whoever has a mandate, okay. that's who has that authority because by virtue they have to do what God has called them to do, you know? And that's what allows them to lead. And, and not only that, I love the word there's a price to pay for having that mandate it's what paul says i was beaten twice i was you know shipwrecked twice that it's not a position of privilege It's a position of serving Mm -hmm. it's a position of great sacrifice to birth something new in the earth so anyone can have that mandate Uh, i want to jump one more thing about that too uh Apostolic people are people who have many of those gifts in our culture who don't understand it. What happens is they create bigger stages for themselves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, A true apostolic person, Paul, he he went somewhere, he planted, he left, and then he parented Mm -hmm. from a distance. In our culture, people who have these dynamic gifts, they can preach, they can teach, they can lead, they just keep building bigger empires. Because we don't understand that this gift that they have was given to build the kingdom of God, not their kingdom. And so, your second question, what was your second question? Blends of people. Yeah, blends of people. What do you do when you have blends of people on the team? Is that right? Yeah. I would say you let them operate in all their gifting, because I do believe it's not, these gifts are not to be able to say, prophet Oniyah, apostle Oniyah. It's just a way of recognizing um, someone's function in your group, um, and so you you let them operate. And I truly believe um, it's 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 important for all of us to you know if it's to be at ninety eight percent on all these things because we're being molded like Christ. So the more you're operating in three of your gifts. Then I would say, whatever is your weakest, go to that teacher. Hang around that teacher for a little bit and let that shape you Mm -hmm. until everyone's operating at like nearly 100% on all these gifts because that's what, for me, it means to be like Christ.
0: But practically, that might mean there might be multiple people in the conversation who the others are submitting to. Maybe Mm -hmm. not just one person at a time if somebody is is very strong in both ways if multiple people are very strong in one area. Mm
1: -hmm. And then the third question is, what do you do if you're in a team or ministry that may not get this or may not understand this? I like to say, I go to my fourth principle, transparency i would go to my pastor with great humility with great submission to their mandate and their vision and say god has been putting this on my heart as an opportunity for our church to lead this way would you kindly consider this and pray into it and then can we set up a day where we can meet in two or three months maybe you give them a book maybe you give them a resource and after that be transparent i want to know can we move in this direction And I would rather a flat out no. Mm -hmm. Then that means I'm not going to touch your mandate as a church, but I got to go. Too many young adult people are sitting there waiting 10, 15, 20 years for somebody who's never going to change. And Jesus says you can't pour new wine into old wineskins. Sometimes you have to just leave. You have no obligation to stay at a place who does not want to change. The kingdom of God expands. It's like yeast. So to that leader with great humility and submission to your leader. Be transparent and let them know what's in your heart and where you wanna go. Ask them to read it and ask them, will you consider us leading this? Or you don't have to lead it. You can get your donut, just let me get my donut. Can I go lead this in our (laughs) church and can I start bringing this to fruit under your leadership and under your guidance? And if they say no, then you, you already know what you need to do. But don't keep it secret in your heart. Mm-hmm. Respect that authority in your church. That's
3: good. So Al Hirsch
1: talks about this, this whole thing of, of the shepherds and teachers kind of being the ones that are in, in the roles in mm-hmm. most of our kind of established churches and the apes mm-hmm. get kicked out mm-hmm. um, in that context. And I guess I've been mauling that in my mind, looking at it, saying, yeah, we've created a system where that's probably true. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. is there is the onus on us as apes?
3: Mm-hmm. who and I'm not saying we all are mm-hmm. but I, that's, uh, mm-hmm. where I put myself that the way we've gone about about that has not helped to create mm-hmm. the space for doing that and how might mm-hmm. how might there be a way of of I mean again you talked about humility walking mm-hmm. meekness those kind of things is there maybe some things you could share that would be helpful in terms of the posture in which we engage with that
1: mm-hmm. which increases the probability of help helpful conversations around this thank you Wow that is brilliant thank you for bringing that up um so what he's saying is that how, maybe there's some onus on those apostles prophets and evangelists to do that number one thing is i believe in the church we should begin recognizing these roles and calling them out when we see them because what happens is the reasons why these apes i believe as i've been studying this are a rock in the shoe per se yeah. it's because they don't know they're an ape They don't know they're an apostle. They don't know they're a prophet. They don't know an evangelist. They're they're an evangelist. They have no clue because all we showed them was you're a pastor or a teacher. Mm -hmm. So when they keep seeing, you know, for example, with with an ape, like, why are we doing this? This is a dumb idea. We need to go here and reach these people. No, no, don't tell your pastor that's a dumb idea. I did that. (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't work right? it, the, 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 it does not work it does not work but in my mind all I see is build the kingdom of God and your idea is not build this, this idea is not building the, it's building something but it's it's not the kingdom you know <laughs> so they don't know they're an ape so my first suggestion is we need to recognize these roles in the church the prophetic people in the church they're not weird they're not crazy they're here so we don't make unnecessary uh, errors yeah. And through that recognition, we need to start having intentional discipleship programs for apostolic people in the church, for prophetic people in the church, for evangelists so that they can be discipled. And then we need to disciple shepherds and teachers in the church so these apes don't threaten them. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, so I think it's just awareness and discipleship of these folks and calling those gifts out. You know what, you're prophetic. You have an apostolic gift. That's why you always just want to build and expand and do stuff. And then let let me help you use that gift. And then that shepherd and that teacher, you know, that person is not trying to be disruptive in your ministry. You're just going too slow for them. They got an engine that just wants to build the kingdom. Let's coach you as a shepherd and teacher how you and that person can work together and build. And for the shepherd and teacher, you need to give apes a lane you need to tell them you can do everything but you can't touch that great and they will build everything up that you tell them not to touch and then they're going to can i touch that now mm-hmm. you know because they just want to build the kingdom mm-hmm. yeah um
3: the first question is for ania you mentioned uh which, and joy. I'm yeah. which of those uh, the apes that you identify
0: with i am a which, which category has <laughs> uh, I don't know the, well, I guess you can do they any of them joy. with joy. They all have joy. Yes. They, they, all, they all have joy. So I'm a, a teacher apostle.
3: Yeah. Um, I appreciate Hurse and uh, under Hirsch's model here, The I mean, I identify really strongly, like, I, with the apostle, like, mm-hmm. that really describes me, um, so I'm a church plan. hmm God help me. Mm-hmm. And uh okay. And so, like, as an apostle, I think, well, I don't know, Say that, but in the apostolic gifting, we're all we're all the time like looking out, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the horizon we see, like, and that's where, and our vision exceeds our grasp. Mm-hmm. And so we're about a year and a half in, and I'm curious about this team. Where's the builders? Where's the developers? Because that's what I'm feeling right now in my church. Like, I've got our church, we've got prophets and evangelists and teachers, and so, mm-hmm. so forth. We've got a lot of a lot of vision, mm-hmm. but we need we need structure. At a certain mm-hmm. point, we need structure. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering which of these gift sets really help to develop that structure.
1: When you say structure, can you be more specific, please?
3: Yeah, so if, uh, if, I, if we just go by my impulses, thank God we don't, right? But if we just go by my mm-hmm. impulses, we're just going to be ever-expanding out. And I think, to a degree, our church is getting a little thin. It's very thin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we need, like at a certain point in the church point you need policy manual. Right, you need to. You need all that plumbing, all that scaffolding. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm into the poetry, mm-hmm. right? And in ministry, there's poetry and there's plumbing. And mm-hmm. I love the poetry, but we need the plumbing. And mm-hmm. um, which gifts set are building that kind of under the under the table stuff?
1: Yeah, I would say they all do. Okay. When there's when there's maturity in play, they all do. I've had a lot of folks tell me, oh, I'm not, I'm not administrative. And I'm like, great, I can teach you how to be.
2: You ready? <laughs> you know? Be, be, be,
1: be, be, I, I would just say, because it, it, the kingdom can't be built. We all have to, and that's why I say we have to mature. Mm-hmm. And then I love how the Bible says there are deacons and there are elders. And so you can be a deacon like Stephen And have ridiculous gifts in the bible healing the sick but he was a deacon so to answer your question they they do it all and the way you can model that is as a lead you doing that as well and you have a team that's that's uber gifted and uber matured because that that that's not my gifting that's not that's not what god's called me to be we've kind of matured out of that and say right now that's not my gifting but i need to grow up and i need to learn did you have something you want to add to that
0: yeah, and we're we're actually oh out shoot. time. we're so out of time. Okay, okay,
1: yeah, yeah, we'll stay after. But yes, yeah, go but ahead, I real quick. sorry.
0: I, so he is very administrative. So I feel like that answer came from a place I'm not, and so I just wanted to speak to the people who don't have <laughs> that gifting, <laughs> so you don't feel guilty. I think there there are apostles like Dale is an apostle prophet, and he doesn't just see the horizon; he sees all of the buildings on the horizon and all of the sewers that go under the buildings and all of the. Um, you know, dog houses that needs to be in the back of the, And it's exhausting for me. Um, and I think that is why we have the intersection of these gifts with the other gifts, like administration. So there, you may not be that apostle. But there can be an apostle in your midst who is also an administrator, and we'll see it, and we'll also see the – because you can get anybody to do something for for a time, and that is part of maturity, to be administrative enough that you don't mess up your ministry. But to be – to have that as an impulse and something that that brings you life is not going to be everybody, and it's okay to recognize that.
2: The, if you overlay the Romans 12 gifts with these yes. Yes. five thank gifts. You. Yes, thank you. Because in there, one of them is, is like leadership. Yeah. Like that ruler person. Yes. And, and so if you start to overlay the different chapters mm-hmm. on gifts, you see why Paul listed different gifts in That's different so places. That's so good. Absolutely. Because you find that balance of some apostles mm-hmm. that have it, some do not. Yes. Like
1: that. That's yeah. so good. Very thank great. you. We have to Thanks. end it. We're gonna, but we'll be after for Q&A. We'll stay for a little bit. Thanks, thank guys. guys. Yeah, yeah guys. thank you. Yeah. Thank you.